What is the first ever uh, live episode of Print Run? Um, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. We're very glad that you're here. Woo! Uh, <laughs> this is the perfect time. Thank you, Lord. Way to cue him up. That's good. Uh, my name, as you all surely know, is Eric Hain. Um, with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Um, and with us today... Hello, Laura. <laughs> Sorry, I have to do it. I have to do it. <laughs> um, and with us today is author, agent, friend, um, Eric Smith, who's hey. in town on his book tour. Hi, What's Eric. up, my friends? So <laughs> what we're going to do today is, um, you know, talk a little bit about publishing, about Eric's experience in publishing as a, both an agent and an author and just a book personality about town. Um <laughs> and then, you know, we'll do that for a while, and then we're going to turn it over to him, and he's going to talk about um, his new book, Don't Read the Comments, and we'll just kind of go from there. After that, like Laura said, we'll do some questions and from both you guys, and we gathered a few from um, our Twitter feed. Uh, people sent us some stuff, so uh, we will do that as well. Um, because, if I mean, I guess everyone here probably knows who we are, but we are a podcast that talks about the book industry. Uh, we talk about publishing. We talk about what's going on. We talk about the politics of it, the art of it, all sorts of different stuff um, as it relates to the book world, and which means, and especially because we are recording this, it's probably worth pointing out the big publishing news story of the day uh, real quick, which is that... Um, Hachette has decided to cancel uh, their um, acquisition of the Woody Allen memoir. And this, exactly, Woo! indeed. And it wasn't it wasn't just a cancellation that we want to talk about. It was how it happened and why. And it's because the employees walked out. Man, they like they got together, they organized, and they and they literally left. You, there's pictures of them just standing out there. Um, outside and they refused to work and eventually Hachette caved after a day and the reason one there's like one evocative thing I wanted to share from and this is from the uh, the publisher's marketplace which is just the industry site um, for various news like this and there's a quote in here from an employee that that really kind of stuck with me and I kind of want to use as our launch point here Um, so here we are earlier in the day an anonymous Hachette book group employee told a refinery 29 reporter I don't think that they expected us to be as angry as we are, is what this person said. And that just sticks out to me because, like, that's the move right there, is that these people, the people who sign up books by Woody Allen or Milo Yiannopoulos or whoever it is that we're mad at this week, they do it because they don't think we're mad enough, they don't think we're organized enough, and they don't think anything's going to happen when they do it. And what we, Hachette, these people that we heard from today, that we saw bravely walk out, what we're learning is that that might change and that they are going to learn pretty quick how angry we are. And that, to me, is a really watershed moment and a really, again, like just a chance to really celebrate um, a real win for, for the good guys in publishing in a way that we don't often get. So um, our hats off to them, solidarity with them. Um, we feel very proud to even know some of the people involved with that. So so given that the good thing in publishing this week happened because people were really mad, 
um, now is a perfect time to transition to the most positive person in publishing, <laughs> <laughs> Eric <right>. Smith. Um, <laughs> so when we were when we were thinking about um, just the privilege that it is to have Eric on Print Run, and because he you you come from a publicity background, you're also a writer a little bit further along in your writing career than Eric is. Um, this Eric, uh, much further, yeah, <laughs> yeah, much much further along. Um, <laughs> well, that's is. not an no, own. No, it's I true. It. Like I it's totally it. true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a fact. Um, okay, you don't have to emphasize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think one of the thing that at least I appreciate the most about like being friends with you and seeing you online and and having you be a, an industry colleague is just how positive you are like you've you've essentially built this incredible brand as an agent as a writer as you know in a logged on person um based on like very online yeah yeah. well welcome um based on like corgis and babies and crying and like squeeing and as somebody who's working on being a woo girl, um, that's very that's very inspirational to me. Um, and, and so, this podcast is, I think, fundamentally optimistic. Fundamentally, fundamentally, exactly. like yeah. in its in its there's heart. There's like layers on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's and but like kind of there's there's like a little bit of like dejection and sadness and self loathing on top of that. Um, we do have fun here, folks. Uh, <laughs> And so I, I just, Eric, I just wanted to talk to you about, like, why positivity? Like, why is that something that you that you hung your dad cap on? <laughs> uh, I, I think you need it in publishing. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, there's, uh, when, when you're a writer, and, and, you know, since I write as well, right. it's, it's something I think about really often. Uh it can hurt a lot when you see industry professionals like really down on their jobs and yeah. down on the industry uh, as a whole. So I just try to project something else since I, I tend to have this large following online. Uh, I feel like it gives that air of positivity to, to make writers feel like it's not all uh, doom and gloom out there. Uh, and it's so funny, while we were sort of chatting about uh, today and, and, and coming on the podcast, uh, Neil Gaiman was tweeting... Uh, some old Tumblr posts that, sure. that people were sharing. And one of them was this anonymous question where this person was like, Dear Neil, I am a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> How to be kinder, please. Uh, so and I, I was like, oh my God, we're, we're talking about positivity and being yeah. nice on the podcast. And so I read the post uh, and it reminded me so much of what I do online all the time because uh, Neil says, uh, sometimes I suspect we are all horrible people, uh, or at least we are human people. Uh, same thing. We are impatient, judgmental, irritating, and irritated, grumpy, easily offended, and the rest of it. Uh, so how to be kinder if it doesn't come naturally? Uh, you fake it. You fake it a little bit at a time. Uh, and that just like struck me so hard when it comes yeah. to being online and talking about books a lot, because <laughs> I can be pretty salty sometimes, you know? like. <laughs> Everyone is fake capable it. of that. You fake being yeah, happy so, all the time. Well, no, I am Not happy. happy all the time. I'm like happy like 80% of the time. Sure. Yeah, but that other good. 20% really of the time. really good ratio. Yeah, that other 20% of the time, there's, there's something else that I throw out there. Well, I think like another way of talking about like faking a 
happy persona on the internet might be to say that you kind of practice it as sort of a craft or as a discipline as part of your professional life, you know, and I think like in that same way, one thing we see, and this is especially true in um, writer circles and media and certainly in book publishing, there's sort of this affectation happening right now or like this performative despair that I think Mm. people have like obviously you know conditions in a lot of ways aren't great you know no one's really paid that well there's lot there's lots of reasons to theoretically be upset but there's also to me what appears to be sort of this digital currency in like nihilism in agents just are like, so overworked we yeah, just have like, so much yeah. work to do it's just like <laughs> i can't believe how much work we have yeah it's just like this constant you know it's negativity because you think it's getting you somewhere mm. is maybe how I would put it. And I've certainly done that before. Um, but I think I really like, you know, what what you do, which is I think I think to call it the opposite, it actually undersells it, which is to say that, like, you you really kind of push in this other direction and kind of provide an example of like, hey, this, you know, maybe a way forward is for all of us to actually try to remember what we like about any of this, you mm. know, and also, you know. The negativity to potentially get somewhere doesn't really work the other way around. Yeah. You know, like if I'm being negative, that's not getting someone else somewhere. So that that writer that's following me or that publishing industry hopeful that's following me sees me saying how awful everything is. Maybe they're not going to try, yeah. you know. So I yeah. don't know. Sometimes I feel like when you have a big following, you have a responsibility to be a little sunnier, you know. Yeah. Well, I think I think I see it most that exact effect, and that's a great point. Like because you are on there with an audience, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not just talking to yourself. You're not even just talking to your friends. You know, you're talking to people, especially you know as agents, right? Like we're talking to a lot of writers, follow us, a lot of other publishing people, a lot of people trying to find their way in, in the same way that all of us are always trying to find whatever the next thing we're trying to do is, right? Like there's people trying to follow your lead, and and I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like one place I always notice that maybe we get too negative is like, cause we do a lot of soliciting of questions, right? Like mm-hmm. we have ask print run, we have an inbox that is for in Gmail that is incredibly lively. We get, you know, questions and emails all the time there. And sometimes it can feel like what we're hearing, the way we hear people respond to the show sometimes it's like, wow, were we that dark? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like people will, people will be like, you know, why, you know, we've even got recently, you know, people saying things like, man, well, why even try to get into publishing? Why even do this mm. stuff? And those are the moments where I think a lot about what you do, where it's like, hey, we probably got to reel it in a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we probably should, like, think about what we're projecting, why we're doing this. And it offers sort of a chance to kind of use joy as a, as a discipline, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the realities are important, yeah. you know, of self, right. of course. Right. Um, yeah, sometimes I like to live with my head in the clouds a little. <laughs> How, okay, so besides just, you know, not as an agent, not doing that performative, like, oh, I'm so busy, oh, I'm so overworked, all of these submissions are really, really bad, all of that. Um it's it's easy to see how you how you fit that positivity in as a writer where it's like I'm not going to be sad that my writing didn't go well today. I, instead, I'm going to be jazzed that I got this book in the mail that I'm super excited to read and I saw somebody else be successful. As an agent, um, where where do you find that that really comes into play? That positivity, like in 
is it in the same way? Is it just like being jazzed about other people's books? Or I, mean, I try to be, you yeah. know. Uh, sometimes it can get a little hard when you're in the bookstore and you you see that book that you didn't get, and you're like, oh wow, <laughs> that literally Laura just did happened that five minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I literally just did that five minutes ago. There it is, and uh, it happens a lot when I'm like book shopping with my wife. You yeah. know, I'll stop and she'll see me looking at a book and she'll know it's that particular one. She's like, all right, let's. Let's move on. Keep Let's going. keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. um, but you try to celebrate everyone else's books. Uh, I don't know if this happens to either of you guys, but uh, once you get to know enough agents, you start to recognize their books. Yeah. Uh, and I totally like will we'll text like a different agent. Be like, hey, look who I found your book. I found this book. And uh, I don't know. It's fun to like celebrate one another. Yeah. 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 So question for you. And maybe, so I think, I think both of us, can very firmly come down as like being fans of the Eric Smith brand, right? Like, mm-hmm. I love the corgis. I love the baby gymnastics video. I like that he uses a lot of exclamation points. Like, I, I am into it, right? Um, but, but your recent book, which is called Don't Read the Comments, everybody who is here in person should buy copies. Everybody who's listening at home should also buy copies, ideally from your indie bookstore. Um, I, I was I was thinking about that as as somebody who is very online and, and you and I both work in the science fiction and fantasy mm-hmm. realms, right? And in and in YA, yeah. which are um, have the potential, those spaces have the potential to be the most um, vitriolic, they I think do? you could say. Wow. I've never heard that before. No, YA. it's I mean I don't know. Yeah, cranky. it's it's just very secret. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, and there's don't read the comments is a saying that people online talk about where it's just like just just if you like read the main thing don't bother with the comments don't read what people are saying about your writing don't read what they're saying about your podcast about how somebody took off a star because i used the f word too many times um <laughs> like just just oh, well. just don't engage right because that's where people are nasty people are trolling people are doing things that are that are that are aimed at hurting somebody else. Do you think that at some level, like not reading the comments as a rule or kind of avoiding all of that from from like a like an effort to be positive and to to create joy and to and to practice that? Do you think that at some point that's like putting your head in the sand? Oh yeah, no, totally. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't listen to my own book, you know, like uh, I'll, I'll get my Google alerts with a review and I'll click on it. And like, usually that's in the morning when I'm still in bed and yeah. my wife will hear me grumbling and she'll remind me like, do you remember the title of your book there? <laughs> did, did you forget? Um, but it's, I, I'm going to do a throwback to an old print run episode where uh, there was like this conversation going online about like ignoring trolls and, mm-hmm. and not paying attention yeah. to trolls. Uh, and Eric had said something along the lines of how like, Ignoring all the comments and ignoring all the trolls and just staying quiet is kind of letting them win a little yeah. bit. Mm. You know, yeah. like that's kind of what they want. They want you to be quiet and to be they silent. They want you to cede the space. Yeah. 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 So where so where do you draw the line? Like when when do you kind of stop posting pictures of Augie and jump in and like... <laughs> when it's time to yeah. actually fight back, when it's something okay. that's worthwhile. Um, you know, we saw those with Hachette, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, um, that's, very, that's a very good point. You know, and in Don't Read the Comments, uh, it quickly goes for, for the main character from just a bunch of jerks picking on her online to people showing up in real life and yeah. being really awful and abusive. Um, so I think when it starts to potentially 
threaten your career as opposed to just threatening your feelings, then maybe it's time to, to hop in. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good delineation, I think. Um, I want to ask about how the Corgi's doing. Um, <laughs> mostly because I, my anecdote with, with Augie, the Corgi, if you don't know Augie, you probably do. He's because a Corgi. The Corgi has That's like, all you need to know. No, the Corgi has like more followers than me and has like more professional contacts than me. And there was like, <laughs> there was a time very early in my career where it felt like the, the Corgi was selling more books than me. Um, it was, it was a very, it was a very difficult stretch. I, every time I'd see that damn dog post, I'd be like, oh God, I'm so jealous of that. It was, it was quite a thing because it's branded as an agent. Like you yeah, got yeah. It on there as like this, it's like a great bit. I've had to correct yeah. people because people have sent pitches to, <laughs> to Augie. <laughs> thinking that Augie is just like the name of an agent yeah. who has like a dog yeah, as the yeah, avatar yeah. <laughs> but it's actually my dog <laughs> tweeting as an agent and uh, I highly recommend everyone look up Caleb Rohig's next book uh, Fell of the Dark because he named the main character after Augie oh, man. who you named after the character of a John Green <laughs> who book who named after Augustus in The Fault in Our Stars there's, <laughs> there's a lot of layers there to... <laughs> it's a lot of literary layers but Augie's um, good yeah Good. He's good, you know. Good. Getting good. a little jealous of the baby. Oh he's, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's been. Uh, he's had a. He's been peeing on the baby's toys lately. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this is the side of the positivity that you don't get online, right? Because this is he's the just, real e true Hollywood story. Because he's just the perfect dog online. He's like oh, the yeah. perfect agent. He's better than both of us put together. <laughs> but I don't pee on somebody's toys. You don't. You don't. I don't. <laughs> Well, so you're you're on tour, man, and it's where are we on the book tour? Like this is the beginning. I don't even know. Like you've this had a few really events the, before this. Yeah, this is like the last stop. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I uh, saved the best for last. Yeah, I appreciate that. So like the first uh, the first chunk was the week the book came out. So mm-hmm. I went to a whole bunch of cities over the course of ten days, mm-hmm. uh, and then I did a few one off stops. And this is this is the last one. Yeah. Nice. That's a wrap. So, so book tours are kind of going away right now. Yes. Um. Well, what do you mean by that? Explain so, that. So, so fundamentally, um, marketing budgets for books are shrinking, and so it is very, very rare that a publisher will schedule a book tour to promote a book. Um, they usually do it only with maybe one or two books in enti- in an entire year, and those are like the real like that's like the Stephen Kings and all of that. Um, you're kind of doing your own. Where we were lucky enough. To, to get a stop on your book tour because you're flying in to do an agent conference tomorrow. Yes. Um, Showed up a little early. Yeah, so shout out uh, to yeah. Chuck Sambuccino for flying Eric in a day early. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so how, how, how does that work? Like, how is that going? How does it work? What kind of takeaways as, like, somebody doing a book tour in the new age where you don't necessarily have a publisher doing this and you don't necessarily have a per diem and all of that? How does that work? Yeah, so it was, a, it was like, a big partnership sort of thing with, yeah. uh, with Harlequin. I, uh, they, they booked my first, like, five stops. Oh, wow. um, but they were in cities where I knew I could get a lot of people, you know, like... I did my Philly launch because I live there. Like New York, that's where publishing is and a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with like Boston and when I went down to Richmond because I lived there for almost a year. Uh, so they're very targeted. Like we knew people would come. We knew people would buy the books. Uh, and that's that's the thing with book tours. Like if you don't know people are going to come and buy the books, you could show up somewhere and have like two people pop in, you know, even if you're a best-selling author. Um 
my <laughs> when my first book, The Geek's Guide to Dating, came out, mm-hmm. uh, I was all hyped up because I was going to do a bunch of events in Philadelphia. I had a popular blog in Philly. Like this was going to be a great. Blog, like yeah, you know, it was you a big were doing geek blog. Geek thing. Yeah. yeah. So a bunch of the the colleges booked me for a bunch of speaking events and, and book sale events, and they all sold out. And I was like, oh my god, this is going to be awesome. And the first one I showed up to, there was no one there. Uh, And the only person who showed up was this, like, significantly older man who fell asleep in the back of the room. (laughs) When Uh, you were just having a one-on-one with him. Yes, when I was there. Um, And I remember I went into work the next day. And my publisher, I told him, I was like, oh, my God, only one person came. And he was like, you know what, Eric? You're not a real author until you have an event. And the only person who comes is someone who falls asleep. (laughs) Uh, And I think about that all the time. Keeps you humble. Well, if someone <laughs> if someone in here wants to just like go take a nap in the corner, oh, that's okay. fine. Like we can. Yeah. This Absolutely. is our first event. If we we you know we need to get broken this in is, a little. So. This is Eric's first live first live event as somebody with a completed book. So somebody fell asleep real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you especially because you know your background right is in publicity mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, are there anything? Is there any like? tip or trick that you bring to book tours as an author that you because you're someone who was kind of on the other side of it you know you spent a long time um doing that like do you think about book tours differently you know oh, do yeah. you think that you tour in a way that maybe other authors could learn from <laughs> i mean i send lots of awkward emails yeah. uh like leading up to the different book tour events uh at least two or three weeks in advance i sent out emails to all the various people that I knew in those cities, like letting them know that this is what's going on. I put up my Facebook events for some of them uh, where I knew there was going to be a lot of people there. Uh, I emailed some of the local colleges and mm-hmm. the, the the writing programs to be like, hey, you should show up. Hey, I'll answer lots of questions about publishing and agenting and writing. Right. Um, That's a really great idea. I've, li- yeah. I've never thought of that. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And that I think that helped get a lot mm-hmm. of people in. Um, it's definitely one of those things where like, you can't just rely on showing up and thinking people are going to pop up for you. Yeah. Um, that'd be great, but how are they going to know? You know, like no one's going to know just because they randomly saw a tweet. That's the other thing about I think that maybe people who spend as much time on the internet as we do don't necessarily realize about book promotion and stuff is that maybe you're seeing the same thing being promoted just once, but. Other, or multiple times, right? Like, oh, I'm so sick of this person talking about whatever book it is. But, like, the thing you got to realize is, like, most people only see it once, you know, and yeah. that isn't enough to get them in. So you kind of have to reinforce and reinforce and reinforce. The and, algorithm's not your friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You shoot your shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, should we turn it over to the... Yeah, let's, yeah. let's let you talk about don't read the comments the book rather oh, than yeah. don't read the comments as an ethos the life. Yeah. For, for, for logging on. Yeah. Tell us well, about uh, it. Well, yeah, so Don't Read the Comments came out in January. It is about two teenagers, Aaron and Divya, who meet in a uh, wildly popular uh, sort of massively multiplayer online role-playing-esque <laughs> game called Reclaim the Sun. Uh, it's sort of inspired by games like World of Warcraft, uh, Eve Online and No Man's Sky kind of mashed together. Um, although no one told me No Man's Sky was going to be like a big commercial failure when I wrote a book inspired it's, by it. It's really fun for like it is super fun. five hours and then you realize that it's all just the same planet over yes. and over again. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bunch of this stuff mashed together um, and they meet up 
uh, by chance uh, on a random planet while they're exploring, and they start to form this friendship, and they start to get it closer, and maybe some swoony things are happening. Uh, and then the all-too-real world of doxing and trolls and cyber harassment happens to Divya, who happens to be a somewhat popular, uh, quote-unquote, glitch streamer. Um, but we all know what that actually is. And uh, and yeah, uh, Aaron has to navigate uh, their, their blossoming friendship slash relationship while trying to figure out how to be uh, an ally to someone who's being harassed like this, uh, navigating when it's appropriate to say something, how, how you can help someone when they're feeling vulnerable. Uh, and at the same time, Divya is learning to stand up for herself and uh, maybe read the comments and, and, and fight back. Uh, What's really fun about this particular book is is the, the earliest draft of this was read by uh, Lily Anderson, one of uh, Laura's wonderful authors, uh, who insisted, I call it, don't read the comments, like four years ago. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the original title was Reclaim the Sun. Oh, and yeah. uh, Don't yeah. read the comments. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Which is really funny because neither Lily nor I have ever successfully named one of her books. <laughs> um, you guys are a nightmare titling books. I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we bring him in to yeah we bring Eric in and it's just like word vomit and just nothing good ever happens from it um, so I'm glad she landed one yeah no she did yeah and uh, and yeah so and then that's the book uh, came out in January and uh, yeah here we are great great do you think that and this is I guess is a question for both of you you know because you work in YA and I I do not. Like that. This is a very, you know, very contemporary story. This is a story that, um, you know, about an experience as a teenager that I don't even think was around or really was very prominent. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a teen, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, do you are you seeing like more of that in these stories? Like, are do or is there like it feels like maybe we're on like this new frontier of like stories about just like what are now very fundamental teen experiences, but they feel kind of new in print. You know, like mm-hmm. it feels like we're kind of at the point where there's a lot of books that are taking on some very common things, but in that we haven't seen before, you know, in YA novels. So there's one author in particular, uh, Sarah Mitchell. Uh, oh shoot, I'm forgetting her last name, but uh, she has a new book coming out soon called uh, Deep Fake, which is all about uh, those those videos that people can make uh, yeah. that make it look like you're the person, but you're not. Uh, and she's been writing like cyber harassment novels her entire career. Like her her first one came out. Oh, seven eight years ago um so i i hope there's gonna be a lot more um people are certainly writing them um because it's it's a scary thing like it that's all too real yeah. as somebody who hangs out in the ya sphere um one of the things that i've even seen in my you know seven years as as an agent um gosh seven years wow <laughs> um <laughs> i've like seen because people are spending more and more and more of their time online it's it's a little bit easier for people to find communities and to find reasons to just have really specific enthusiasms and so i think fundamentally the 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 overall experiences aren't becoming more and more discreet but the the trappings around those things are becoming discreet because mm. I, I think that you know doxing or trolling and like that happens to some extent to, to basically everyone you're just writing about a really really extreme example from mm. the gaming world because that's never happened before <laughs> um <laughs> but it's it's the specific 
game around it that that I think like that is the most exciting thing for me as both like a new gamer relatively new gamer and as somebody who just like loves reading about people being really jazzed about something super random like somebody was in my mentions the other day talking about cheese making which of course is a thing that appeals to me yeah, that's not but, random <laughs> but more importantly like like somebody talking about beekeeping somebody just like really really passionate about like jousting i don't know like those things i think are are really fun and what's cool is that um when i was a teenager like you just kind of wanted to do your own thing and, and you, you couldn't be like super into one thing. And now you totally can. And people like have entire friend groups and entire lives built around these things that they just love, which is really exciting. Like I think I probably would have started playing Dungeons and Dragons way sooner mm-hmm. if that was a thing that was available to me because of all of that. It's funny. You think about like friend groups like that and like, oh, you couldn't be really psyched about a specific thing. But when I was a teenager, man, Magic the Gathering, I, oh. had, <laughs> I had a vast collection of those cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's always so, been some, some Oh yeah, I was that yeah. kid. So much so that I remember when my wife and I were moving out of like my bachelor pad apartment into like a proper home. Uh, I was getting rid of like old books and I found a giant crate of Magic the Gathering novels. And I was like, oh, I remember these. Well, I should get rid of them. Uh, And we went to the used bookstore to trade a bunch of books in. I had like boxes and boxes and boxes. So then I went to go look around the used bookstore for other books to buy. Yeah. That's that's what you do. You trade it in. Yeah, you trade them in. Uh, And I found like two or three and I come back down and the bookseller is like, okay, here's your credit, this and this and this. And then there's this like pause and she slides this box across and she goes, (laughs) we. We don't need these. And it was all my Magic <laughs> Gathering books. See, that is entirely... They're to you, though. That's, yeah. that's entirely different from my experience selling um, and, like, buying books at, at, at used bookstores. Because now, if you go in with any sort of, like, gaming anything... Oh, yeah. They, like, those things, you, they used to maybe... Like, if they had them on the shelf, they sold, you know, like... A Dungeons and Dragons book for like two fifty, and now it's like twenty seven dollars. It's like the same price as having it new. Hmm. Yeah, times have changed. You're just selling them. You're just you just took the took it to the the place where it wasn't appreciated. That's true. <laughs> what did you do with them? I think I still have them. I'm pretty sure they're in the basement. Excellent priorities. So this is. What number of novel is this for you? Ooh, uh, or book? I say because you, you have yeah. a you have some. Yeah, so there's geek dating. Um, there's my my inked duology that was enjoyed by dozens of readers. That uh, okay? Can I can I just say that was the first book I edited as a publishing person? Because oh. right, yeah, I I edited yeah. that book. Uh, I liked it. I read it. You should too. <laughs> then I did a an adoption anthology with Flux called Welcome Home. Uh, the Girl in the Grove came out after that. So now there's this. So that is uh, book six. Wow. Um, and then there's uh, three more on the way. Three That's... more. Can you talk about them? Yeah. So uh, one we announced uh, yesterday, but whenever this episode airs next week, last week, whatever. Um, Time doesn't it's mean called, anything. Uh, it's called You Can Go Your Own Way. Uh, and it is about like the Fleetwood a, Mac song. Exactly like the Fleetwood Mac song. Uh, it is about a, a 70s rock-obsessed teen who is running his family's failing pinball arcade in Philadelphia. Uh, and a teen girl whose father is a virtual reality cafe tech mogul who is aggressively <laughs> trying to take over the space. 
Uh, and the two of them get snowed in together in mm. the pinball arcade. And it's, a, it's an enemies-to-lovers rom-com uh, set around 70s rock and pinball machines. Sounds great. <laughs> so I, I ask how many and, and what number this one is. I'm interested in what you see at this point in your career. Um, like, what do you see as like the through lines in these books? Like, what sort of unifies them to you, or uh, does anything? You know, like, or do these feel like departures? You know, from each project. I feel like all the characters I write tend to be just like wholesome. Yeah, they're like Hufflepuffs. <laughs> And they're like they're wholesome cinnamon rolls trying to make it in like a hard dinner roll world. <laughs> sort of think of them. Uh, goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, that kind of sums them all up. Okay, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, we've we've got time for questions. Yeah, um, live questions. Yeah, yeah, so we can kind of bounce in between questions in the audience and questions that we got from Twitter earlier. Eric, if you have those pulled up. Sure. Well, let's start with one from the internet. From the internet. Um, so here's one. <clears throat> what is a mid to late career lesson you learned that overturned something you believed about being an author early on? Oh, something about being an author early on. Um, but uh, let's open it up. Though. Yeah. If you have, yeah, yeah. We would love to hear from you with regard to being an agent as well or anything uh, in publishing. I guess one thing uh, that, that I learned mid-career about being an author early on is that not everyone you know is going to read your book. And you yeah. kind of have to be okay with that. Um, and don't read the comments. There's the there are like coordinates in the in the video game world mm-hmm. that they're playing, uh, and one of the coordinates is like my mom's birthday, my dad's birthday, and their wedding anniversary. Uh, and I was like, hey guy, what what did you think of the little surprise there? And they they're never gonna see it. They they're they're not gonna read the book. Uh, and and yeah, you just have to be okay with the idea that like your book's going to be very special to many, many people, but not necessarily the people that maybe you want it to be special to, um, which sounds kind of sad, but... How do you deal with a, that? Well, you know, there's crying in the shower, but... <laughs> <laughs> but there's also connecting with, like, other readers and, and finding your finding your reader family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, work, I work in romance, too, and a lot of the time, like, my authors are like, don't... Like we we want a lot of the time people have um, kind of transparent pen names where mm. like they'll it's really easy to find out who they are in real life. And there are other people who just like shut it down and they're like, I never want my mother to know anything about this <laughs> ever. Um, and so to me, like, yeah, I think it depends on what you write a little bit. But I don't know the cinnamon rolls in a in a hard dinner roll world. I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while, <laughs> man. And then, uh, and then I think in like the sort of agenting world, in terms yeah. of what I learned, um, this is only something I learned recently too. Like I used to get really upset during negotiations with editors, uh, just like feeling like they were just they were mad at me or I was messing things up. And I just I want everyone to be my friend. That that's 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 how mm-hmm. I am. Uh, and then one day, uh, you know, one of my colleagues told me he's like, you know, you have to understand, you're not negotiating and arguing specifically with that one person who maybe you deem on Twitter and your friends and you talk about video games and stuff like that. You're you're negotiating with the the publisher. You're negotiating with this giant company that has all this money and all this stuff. Uh, you're not fighting with this person that you, you kind of get along with. Uh, and it like radically changed uh, like my mind when mm-hmm. I'm emailing with editors. I mean, I still get upset, you know, yeah. and I still like 
sit there and sweat at my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's I sweat a little less now because I know that this person isn't actually mad at me. Well, we talk all the time about how it's not even that you're just like negotiating to negotiate. Like it's expected. Like oh, yeah. t- like that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they give you a number and then you give a number and then and then. <laughs> Sometimes you you go shoot because they say yes to that number and you're like, ugh. But <laughs> you're like trying to like buy some time. Yeah. yeah. And then like if you're if you're really like yeah. yeah, and then but like ideally, you know, you kinda like yeah. land in the middle and that is at the end of the day, like I, I heard something in a piece of media I don't know where, but it was um, talking about talking about lawyers and contracts. And there was <laughs> there was a takeaway there where it's like it's not a good contract unless everybody walks away feeling like they lost something. Mm. And mm. <laughs> and I think like fundamentally, like I hope to only give my authors deals that they're just ecstatic about. But still, like at the end of the day, everybody has to give up something because otherwise it hasn't been a negotiation. A thing that you say to me a lot when I am in my weekly pit of despair about, what, about <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Um, it's about it, it's bi-weekly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said the other day that we kind of trade off. We do. This weeks. is my yeah. week to be chaotic. Yeah. You get next week. Uh, <laughs> um, you say this is the job, is what you say over and over at me, and it's a good reminder that actually this is literally the core function I am here to perform, and not an aberration that I should hate. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I just like that Laura sounds like a character on like Blue Bloods or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> very. It this is, is a the job like officer. I go know? through all of I go through all <laughs> yeah. of like the negotiation emails and I just delete like hedging language. Like get rid of just. Yeah. Like, get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what about what about our lovely audience here? Does anyone have a question either for yeah. Eric or for us or anyone? How do you feel about puns in book titles? Okay, the question is how do you feel about puns in book titles? I like them a lot. Uh, I feel like the second I became a dad, I'm like, that's it. Give me, give me all like the romance novels that have puns in them. Uh, yeah. Fun fact: the oh man, oh, my publisher will be mad if I say this. So the original title for uh, "You Can Go Your Own Way" was uh, you know the novel's about a pinball arcade. Oh god, there's a snowstorm. There's oh, 70s no. rock. So the original title was "The Pinball Blizzard." Nobody who's the intended audience of that book is going to know what that is. No, they won't. <laughs> that is awesome. That's how you know you're doing it right. Yeah, but I like uh, puns. I, I appreciate a good pun in a book title. <laughs> yeah, I I enjoy puns in all ways, shapes, or forms. Mm-hmm. Um, like cozy mysteries. Oh my gosh! Like there's a dentist one out there that's like the dentist is solving crimes and it's yeah. like nothing but the tooth and stuff like that. And just like, <laughs> I just I love that. <laughs> uh, there's 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 one that I've that I've got on hold from the library and I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's 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 all of this is gonna sound this is gonna make me sound a certain way and I'm prepared for I it. Can't wait. So it's about cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's and it's like mysteries that are like they're not solved by the cats, but like the cats are <laughs> a very important part in this story. Um and they're all just like cat cat funny things. How do you think you this know? makes you sound? 
You know, like I'd love for you to describe it. It makes me sound like what I am, which is somebody who is really enthusiastic about my cats. Hmm. I'm also really enthusiastic about my dog, though. So I'm an equal opportunity pet squeer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your chickens, you have chickens, right? My mother has chickens, yeah, yeah. but like. You know, there's a cozy mystery in there. There like, is a cozy fl- mystery the coop in there. Or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, that's it. <laughs> One flew over the coop's ne- or the, the chicken's nest or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I work. Pecking I work order. in. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I work. I work you, you in just, romance. Like, filled with these. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's a dad. Like, that's it. <laughs> once you two are dad, you'll just you'll think that my joke about where did the general keep his armies. Sleeves, like you'll think that that's funny mm-hmm. soon at some point. Um, okay, so here's a question from online uh, from one of our followers on Twitter Does your agent work inform the way you write, or vice versa? I wish it informed the way I write. That, that's uh, so, so I feel like when you're like an industry person, you, you know what editors want, you mm-hmm. know, and what, what yeah. people are looking for. And I'm very stubborn and I don't really care when it comes to my own writing, like, I'm gonna write. I, I'm I'm very much a, a book of your heart person. Like yeah. write what you want, write what you care about, and, and sometimes that's bad advice, you know. Um, but I do it anyway. You know, I have, <laughs> I definitely have a couple of trunked manuscripts that like publishing's just not ready <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. for Eric's musical theater novel. Uh, so, Give it like uh, two years. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, it doesn't it doesn't go back and forth. And I wish it did. I wish I could like turn on that side of my brain. Yeah. Um, I'm sure my agent who's in the audience would appreciate it. <laughs> Eric Hayne, does it affect your work? Oh, yeah. Well, I am, as we have painfully pointed out, <laughs> really, uh, in, a, in a much different place in my writing career. But I think that the thing that I find is maybe similar in that I find it actually harder to, like, I feel like I got into publishing wanting it because I because I was a writer first right like I you know went through college and all this stuff really wanting to be a writer and then I was like okay well what's the best most structured job I can get that's kind of like writing so I was like okay I'll go do publishing and in, there are days and I love my job but there are days where I'm like I picked the exact wrong job like literally I could not have picked worse because it uses that same energy all day and so like I spend all day you know reading or editing or evaluating things you know writing pitch copy whatever it is and then it's time okay time to do your own stuff time to write and it's just it doesn't feel like a departure at all it's like i'm in the same spot at my desk and i'm staring at another word document and i really do not want to be here and so for me the two things almost i'll say almost because not always but they almost sit in opposition to one another right now um at least in the moment like i feel like a lot of the time like when i'm not writing when I'm thinking about writing, agent stuff is really helpful because I, I'm thinking about comps and other books I know and other things I've seen. And like, it's like in that sort of like osmosis period where it's just kind of, you know, you're kind of coming to your ideas that I think really helps. But during the act itself, it is definitely like, I, I wish that I was doing literally any other profession before trying to write. I feel like it helps when you're, when you're a writer friend and yeah. you're an agent though. Cause like, mm-hmm. I, I've been, lucky enough to beta read Eric's lovely novel uh, and the entire time I'm reading it I'm like oh I know this person would like this oh I could see this publisher liking yeah. this you know oh like I just that part's nice you know and like I feel like I can be the encouraging writer pal for my, my author friends um, so yeah. that works yeah yeah yeah, yeah we've um, Lily Anderson who named your book uh, we also 
talk about her as being Eric's book doula. Oh, nice. Right? Like, like <laughs> everybody doula. needs a book doula. Like, somebody I just, love that. just shove it in. <laughs> um, sure do, folks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it helps if that person writes, right? Like, yeah. I would be a terrible book doula because I'd be like, I don't know, just write it. Like, <laughs> just, like just that's because that's what happens right? as an agent. I'm like, yeah. we talk. I, I talk to my authors about the ideas that they're, that they're mm-hmm. thinking of. And I think about where they're headed. And then I say, okay, write that one. And then they do. And it's great. That is great yeah. when that happens. <laughs> so a terrible book doula. Don't ever have me be a book doula. Who else? Anyone out in the audience, audience got a question? Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes you read a book and it's just so good that you just want to like push it inside yourself. So yeah. Part of you. Oh, yeah. What is the last book that you all read that kind of did that for you? That is not by one of your authors. Mm. Hold on. I, 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 do, yeah. I make a list of the books that I read. Okay, so the question was, like, you know the books that you sometimes just, like, you read it and you love it and you, like, sh- want to, like, shove it in yourself. So when You're that- missing anyone? <laughs> yeah. So like, just, the, reason, the reason you should have come to this event um, tonight, <laughs> dear listener, is that you're missing the hand gestures that yeah. she's making as she is. Um, well... Yeah. <laughs> so so the thing so the thing about books that I really 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 love is that I I behave sort of like a dragon where I just like I I hoard it and I don't want to talk to anybody about it cuz I don't want anybody else's stupid opinion to like change how I feel about the book. Yes. Um <laughs> Uh, that being said, I'm just perusing my, my list in order of the books that I read. So somebody else answer and I'm going to find it for you. Cause I will tell you, just don't tell me what you think about it. Well, I started, uh, oh God, I started and finished, uh, Alana K. Arnold's Damsel, um, just, uh, I don't know, like two weeks ago, uh, which I'm kind of ashamed of because it won the Prince and I feel like I'm supposed to read all the award-winning books. Yeah. Eric Why? did that last year and he hated it. Oh, that's right. I listened I to that episode. That, yeah. the episode. <laughs> um, but oh my god, that that level of like fantasy writing and world building and like her like lyrical prose is just like so lush while you're like I feel like I could like taste the book while I was reading it. Uh, I would like to absorb that book via like osmosis and just like have that ability. The first one that, that came to mind for me. Um, just on like a pure like reading experience fun level was uh, Karen Russell's Orange World uh, Ooh, last year, yeah. which was like I, th- I there's there were not many books last year that I just like found myself thinking about you know afterward. Just so many incredible stories in there, so fun, including a story that like is about getting like consumed by something. So it felt very kind of related to this question, but um, really good uh, kind of. I don't even know what you'd call it, like surrealist spec fic in mm. certain instances, but really fun. Karen Russell's obviously great. So, uh, mine, it's it's a it's a series. Um, I really love. Is it Sherry Thomas's um, like gender swap? Uh, yeah, Kelly's nodding her head. It's a it's a gender swap Sherlock Holmes, um, and the first one is called A Study in Scarlet Women, and it's just like it. It just okay. So so um, Sherlock Holmes, who's actually Charlotte Holmes, um, she's pretending to be Sherlock Holmes, um, and she has this thing where like she loves food, and then she eats until she has what she calls maximum tolerable chins, and then she like, and then she's like, okay, I'll exercise now, and that just like, I that I, it's 
besides the book being really good, I just identify a lot with that. Um, <laughs> you should read good. it. I think Eric, I that think you would like great. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's a very it's like very joyful, and it's not just hey we made these characters women. Like it really just like radically and fundamentally like reinvents that that entire like that entire storyline and makes it super super believable and very very fun. Anyone else? Yeah. Uh, I know your, your podcast is geared more towards uh, writers and people who are trying to get in the industry, but what is something that you wish you could make clearer to booksellers about publishing? Oh, that's a really good question. So the question was, um, our podcast is primarily geared toward writers, but what is something that we could we wish that we could make clear to booksellers about publishing? What do you guys got to answer? I want to think about that for a second. It's a really good question. I, so I I think that what I, it's less about what I want booksellers to know, more about, about like the function of booksellers in the entire system. And I feel like a lot of the time, um, booksellers and writers are very much in the same boat in that they are the two like necessary parts of this system right they're the people who create the content and the people that like sell the content um and yet they're the people who like systematically have a lot less of the power and a lot less of the say um and so I think I think the big thing is like as an audience or as a writer, as a person working in publishing, um, I think one of my goals is just to just to radically just and constantly challenge how people value writers and how how they look at bookstores as a necessary part of this industry and how they value specifically booksellers because they're the best part. <laughs> well, for me, I think like and I'm not just saying this because I'm like sitting in an indie bookstore, but like... <laughs> Shout out to Subtext Books. No, but I, I think that um, booksellers have a... And this is, I guess, is a point about booksellers perhaps for everybody else, but booksellers have an enormous amount of influence over how like a book's ability to gain word of mouth, what kind of stuff can sell and where, all these different things. Like, Because eventually this is, and publishing hates to talk this way, but like... You're trying to sell a product, you know what I mean? And like the people who do that and how they position things and like how they organize their store and how they, you know, talk about, you know, books and, um, you know, feature different things and recommend certain things. And like that is like that is what that's the game at the end of the day. And I just think like when so like when we talk about big problems that we, you know, like whenever Every week, it seems like there's some book that we're complaining about existing um, on our show, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. And like, there's all these things, you know, we wish publishing would do more of this. We wish publishing would do less of this. Like lots of those questions like could have could be influenced by booksellers, I think, because they're the ones who can make things work or not, you know, in a lot of different instances. And um, I just think like. As, as Laura said, like it is an undervalued part mm-hmm. of the publishing pipeline while also being extremely influential in a way that I think could really be put to really strong use, you know? I heard yeah. once at, um, it was like a session at the Heartland Fall Forum, which is kind of the the like Midwest independent like bookseller, like annual trade show, right? 
Um, and I was at an event that was totally for booksellers and I totally shouldn't have been there. Um, but somebody said that marketing and publicity get a book into bookstores and booksellers get a book out of bookstores. And like, to me, that is something that I think about pretty much every day. Um, and that is, that is something, you know, like I, I was talking before we hit record that Matt at Subtext is the one that picks out all of the books that I give to people in my life. Um, and that's like not an exaggeration. Like it's literally 100% of the books. Um, and like, cause again, my favorite books, I hoard like a dragon. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's, it's something that I think about and I think it's, you know, people don't, People don't think about that. Agents don't think about, oh, hey, is this going to be something that gets indie booksellers really jazzed? So uh, we have a question from our Twitter feed, Eric, for you. Um, And that is, how is being, like, basically the question, and then we got like four different versions of this, actually. So, but the the synthesis of them all is, how in the world do you do all the things that you do while also being like a parent? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like I'm very fortunate. Uh, my wife is uh, staying at home with the baby yeah. right now while while I'm working, uh, you know, sort of a standard nine to five in a co working space, uh, and that's that's how you yeah. know my 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 partner is is my partner in our, in our right. book journey. Um, I used to have a really horrifying work life balance where I would stay at home all day and like desperately try to work from like 9 a.m. till midnight while mm-hmm. hanging out with the baby and doing all of that. And it was just unhealthy for both of us. Oh my, there's people in the audience shaking their heads right now. It's awesome. Uh, so now we have this like way better routine where like she hangs out with the baby during the day and then I come home and it's my turn with the baby and like she gets the weekends to go off with the baby. Um, so yeah, we, we, we have a good, nice little balance there. And then, so then part two of the question is like, how is it changed? Do you feel that, you know, having to, you know, manage a family now and everything, has that changed your creative process at all? Do you think it's changed your work, at, like your writing even? Oh, I think so. I feel like I'm way more protective with my time. Yeah. You know, if uh, I have a friend who I know is very flaky and they're insisting we hang out, I'm probably not going to go hang out with that person because I know how limited the time is. Um, I make sure I set aside the time to actually get my writing done. I make sure that I'm not goofing off when I'm at my desk at my co-working space that I'm getting all my agent work done in the amount of time that I specifically allot myself uh, so I can be present with my family. Um, Yeah, it's it's that work-life balance thing that's so hard to figure out. That makes sense. Any other questions in the audience? No? Okay. Do we have any more from online? I think that was, I kind of grouped them oh, in you that grouped way. Them? We got okay. a lot of the same questions. Some some yeah. editorial. Yeah. And, and somebody did ask about Augie, but we covered that earlier. So we're yes. good there. Um, all right. Well, thank you all who are here in person and also to those of you listening at home for um, embarking with us on this experience that is a live recorded episode of Print Run. Honestly, it's very strange to not have a cat yelling at us or to be to be in a tiny room just by ourselves. No um, dessert on the floor. Yeah. Hey, hey. No, 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 no. That's in, that's in the car on the way home. The, oh, the I car see. pie. Yeah. Um, it was car floor pie. There we Look, go. Look, it was in it was in foil. <laughs> it, it, don't worry about it. <laughs> He's still alive. It's okay. Yeah. Um, thank you all so much 
for this, this live episode of Print Run, and we will see you for a regular recorded episode next week. Thanks, everybody.